The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. And I have a great guest for you today. I'm very happy to introduce her. Her name is Susan Ford Collins, and she's written some incredible best-selling books, and I've interviewed her over the years on them. One was The Joy of Success, 10 Essential Skills for Getting the Success You Want. She's also uh, been the author of Our Children Are Watching, 10 Skills for Leading the Next Generation to Success. And she has a brand new book that she's co-authored with Rabbi Celso Kukukorn. And I'll ask you got it. Oh, great. The name of the book is The Miracle Diet, Lose Weight, Gain Health, 10 Diet Skills. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, I think it's really, I like your your sentence that says, what happens when you cross a top executive trainer and success consultant with a best-selling rabbi who lost 100 pounds and kept it off? A miracle, yes, the miracle diet. Wow. Yes, he had tried many times to lose weight, so this is a wonderful story. Well, talk about that. Let's talk about how you helped him and the 10 skills. Well, I met him in a sweaty yoga class of all places. I was trying to heal my knee, and he was working on losing weight, and he heard that I was a writer. And he wanted to write a book about his successful weight loss and his ability to keep that weight off more than five years. But he really didn't know what he had done differently this time that allowed him to maintain his weight loss. And so in the process of reading my book about the 10 success skills that people use in their careers, he and I discovered together that he used those same skills to be able to maintain his weight loss and to get past the plateaus and the ups and downs that had always stopped him before. So we decided to collaborate and write this book to be able to share what I now see are 10 very essential diet skills. Mm. It's amazing. Um, and to see the before, the before and after, the after picture of him. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's, you, to look at him, you would never know he had ever been heavy. And he's, he loves exercise. He, he loves life. He's bigger than life. He's Brazilian and he's full of just joy and life. But now he likes himself. And that's one of the big costs of obesity is just not really liking yourself and not feeling free in your own body. So this is a really important topic because so many times a person's body image holds them back in life. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very much about our image. So diet skill one is success filing. When your success file is full, you feel successful. So explain that. Yes, it's the bottom line. Well, let's look at this way. We, as children, learn to rely on other people to tell us when we were successful, when we got a good grade, we did something our parents wanted us to do, or later in life our bosses wanted us to do. We felt good about ourselves, but there's a trap in that because if you want to live your life and live it authentically, you've got to be able to acknowledge yourself to take responsibility for telling yourself when you're successful because otherwise you have to do what other people want you to do all the time. So when I was studying successful people many years ago, I discovered that they took time every day to think about the successes they were having that day. And they actually created a mental file or a lot of them a computer file where they wrote down their successes. And, of course, that leads to the next part, which is what is success. 
And most people have never really stopped to ask that question. So here's what they taught me. Yeah, isn't success really different for different people? It is. And so you have to have a big enough definition to be able to include everybody's unique success. And success changes, you know. When we're children, it's one thing. When we're starting a career or ending a career, whatever, success changes. So here's the definition that I learned that works and works in weight loss. Success has three essential parts. Success is completion, the ability to complete the plans, the dreams, the projects that we have in mind. And success is also deletion. It's knowing when to stop doing what you're doing, when to make a change. And third, success is creation. It's knowing how to make up dreams that are so powerful and so enticing that we can actually get there. Mm. So it's it's also seeing the result, and that's where the dream is, right, being able to see the result ahead of time. Yes, and to make sure that you define success as daily success, momentary success. Most people create an idea of success as, that's kind of like jumping the Grand Canyon, you know, a huge leap to get someplace, but that's not how life is. We do it in little bits. And what Celso and I worked on was looking at how just buying the food that you want to eat is a big step when you go on a diet or being able to get yourself to start an exercise program or even more importantly to keep going when you start to confront all the reasons that have stopped you in the past. So it's noticing these successes and acknowledging yourself for it. Well, and what's really interesting about this is these aren't really diet skills, they're life skills. Yeah, we apply life them skills. for losing weight, but they're life skills. So let's look at number two. So okay. number two is updating. Will your past suck you back or will your future pull you ahead? Yes, and this was really important for Celso because he's Brazilian and he was had a lot of rules in his family about you can't say no when somebody offers you cake or pie. And besides, he was a rabbi. He was offered food every place he went. And he felt that it was rude to say no when somebody offered him something that he knew would put weight on him. And so we had to really work on the idea that when you can't say no to other people, what you're really doing is saying no to the changes you want to make in your own life. Right. And this is really an important point, that we have to be able as adults to say no. And we have to know what we want clearly enough so that we can decide whether we want to say yes or say no. And this is really important. If you're going to change the way you eat, which is one of those basic things that we all do, and that when we're tired or we're frustrated, eating has always been a comfort if we're going to change that and take that comfort away, then we really have to have some clear goals in mind. Mm. And we spent a lot of time visualizing what he wanted to look like, what clothes he wanted to wear, what brands he wanted to buy and fit into. Uh, A lot of people that I've worked with hang an outfit up on their closet door for an event or a special occasion that's coming ahead so they can visualize very, very clearly themselves in it. It's fitting. They feel great. They feel wonderful. It's really important to be able to see the future slimmer, healthier you as opposed to constantly getting sucked back to the heavier, uncomfortable you. Yes, and 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 it's about really being able to see that vision and in a way brainwashing yourself so that you really see it. And, well, exactly, and, to, and it's more than a vision. It's it's holographic in yeah. the way I think about it. So you've got to be able to see it, hear it, feel it, taste it, smell it. All and the taste senses. is important when we're talking about weight loss. Yeah, all you the know? So let's go to some of the other skills. Diet uh, skill number three is shifting gears, starting, accelerating, and creating your weight loss. And this is where you make your workout work for you, you um, you know, you really start moving. Well, it's very difficult. Let's say in his case, he was 100 pounds overweight. How hard is it to go to the gym and stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself and compare yourself to everybody else in that exercise class? So it's really important to, to spend time 
imagining yourself slim and healthy and flexible and able to do things you probably haven't done in years and years and years. And the, there's really three gears of success that you have to understand when you get ready to go and change your life this much. And the first gear of success is about doing what you're told to do by a trainer, by some kind of a coach or a book or um, someone who's already lost weight, and being able to follow directions and being able to just get yourself there and stand there and do it is really an essential step. Then comes second gear where you become more able, more skillful, and it becomes easier and you start competing with yourself and other people in the class, which we, we all do. Uh, and then finally, creating something brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brand new as in the way you want it to be. Yeah. All right. The life you want. All right. Now there are so there are so many here, and they're all good. Number four, hologramming: how to get what you want more easily. And you just said that is you have to almost see it in a three-dimensional sense. You have to pre-live it. Instead of pre-living that you're fat or that you're heavy or that you can't get in your clothes or that you don't like getting dressed up to go out, you need to really begin seeing yourself as able to do all those things. Standing in front of the mirror, be excited about your future because here's the way it works. What you think is what you get, like Mm -hmm. it or not. So whether it's positive or it's negative, what we think is what our brain is attracted to. So if you're thinking you'll never lose weight and you'll never be the size you want, then chances are you're right. So you have to change your mind to change your weight. All right. right. Well, absolutely. Number five, the alchemy of success, how to turn negatives into gold. Yeah, that's a tough one. So let's talk about that a little bit. It's a very tough one. Because you're talking about salt, fat, and sugar, and those are addictive substances. More addictive than we knew. It turns out that a former head of the FDA was himself addicted to a certain kind of a fast food from Chili's that he had loved. And restaurants don't have to tell you what ingredients are in the food. So he actually climbed into dumpsters behind one of their restaurants and looked for boxes that had nutritional labels on them so he could see what they were using. And he discovered that there was eight times more sugar and many times more salt and fat than you could possibly imagine. And he said that literally certain foods are addictive, not just to our bodies, but to our brains. And this is how we get on hooked on some of these fast foods because they're literally addictive. They are not miracle foods. And we talk about this the miracle diet. There's three miracles. We have a body that heals itself if we give it the right food. We have all the right foods with the right amount of salt and sugar and fat. And we also have a brain that will pretty much do anything we want to do, but we don't know how to use these miracles. And one of the things we're doing is eating foods that were never designed for our bodies. Right. And that's a major thing. And so we are now hooked. The food manufacturers understand hologramming, which we just talked about. And so they show us how delicious these foods are. They spend billions of dollars on ads to convince us that we need to eat them and that they're delicious and that we can't live without them. And we believe it because we are not creating holograms of what we want to be eating and what's really important to our health. And so bottom line, we've got to go back to eating the foods the way they come off the trees and out of the pods and out of the skins. So true. So true. Well, we have five more skills, and we've only got ten more minutes to talk about them. So let's see what we can do to pull these together because everything you said is so key about really believing this, living it, living the dream. But number six is co-dreaming or co-dreading, the difference between fat and slim. So talk about co-dreaming or co-dreading. Well, it turns out that you do much better if you've got somebody who knows what your dream is, who believes you'll be able to accomplish it, and who will also kick your butt when you get off course and you stop doing what you have told them you want to do. So it's really important to have a co-dreamer. Because as Celso found out, you're going to have people in your family who 
in their own way think they're being loving when they say, oh, you're just the right weight, or you'll never lose that weight, or I went on a diet, but then I gained back more weight than I had, had actually lost. So you will hear a lot of people around you saying negative things. So if you can get one or more people who really know what your weight loss goal is, what your exercise goal is, what kinds of foods you want to eat. I mean, he was smart. He got the people in his synagogue to know that he was on a diet, so they offered him fruit, for example, or they offered him things that were really healthy. And that's important. Co-dreamers can make the difference between your success and your failure, whether it's in weight and loss. number seven is about finding experts who are co-dreamers. And number eight is about raising your infant dream. What does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, a dream is kind of sketchy at the beginning. Um, we haven't lived it before. So it's very, very important to step into it, to make sure you protect it from all that naysaying and all those negative people around around you who you know, for their own reasons, don't want to see you get hurt. And that's usually the reason. They're not trying to be negative, but they're really trying to protect you from getting into a situation where you'll feel disappointed. So these people will actually tell you about all the people they know who gained weight when they went on a diet or that you're not going to succeed. So it's important to be able to shield yourself from these kinds of people by having co-dreamers and by having a very clearly defined hologram. I have found that very true in my own life. I mean, not in the area of weight, but, you know, if I start listening to the, you know, maybe it won't work, maybe it won't work, then it won't work. And um, we have two more to go over, but I do want to tell you there was recently, very interesting, uh, recently there was an interview with the woman who developed Spanx, and she talked about how she was very young, and she didn't have the money, and everybody naysayed her. And she listened to Wayne Dyer tapes constantly. The minute she'd get a naysaying, she'd listen to a tape. And now she's huge. Exactly, because she she did what she had to do to protect her dream and strengthen it and raise that infant dream into a reality. And that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. All right, now let's just go to the last two. Committing to an outcome instead of hanging on and then maintaining our health. How do we put those two together? Well, most people say, well, I'll go on the diet for a few days or a few weeks and then I'll go back to eating the way I've always eaten. And that's self-sabotage. You have to really understand that if you're going to change your weight, you've got to change your life. This has to be a long-term scheme. And it's also going to mean you have to gain a lot of knowledge about food. For example, uh, Dr. William Davis, who's a preventive cardiologist, says that eating wheat is one of the reasons that we have an obesity epidemic in the United States. Mm -hmm. So he's recommending that people get off of wheat. Well, that's a huge change. Mm -hmm. You would have to be very committed, and you would have to make lots of new choices in order to do that. And I understand that because I actually am allergic to wheat. But he says that a lot of the hyperactivity in kids and a lot of the weight gain in the country is actually because there has been a genetic modification of wheat. Yeah. This isn't the same and will, wheat. And I will tell you in my own life that's true for me, and I don't have a weight issue, but I have also released myself from wheat. And, yeah, I mean, you know, there you do have to make some modifications. There's so many gluten-free things today. But, um, but I, I do think you're right. It does come, as you said, it comes down to, though, the bottom line here, don't you think, Susan, is commitment. You have to want it. You really have to, no matter, it's not going to be easy, no matter what it is, but you have to really want it. So true. And this is why having a co-dreamer, somebody who believes in you, somebody who's there to, to coach you through it or encourage you through it is so important. This is not easy, but neither no. is being ill. Right. And, you know, right now, we've got the possibility of of having 100 million people be obese in the next 18 years in this country, and that costing $550 billion additional to our health care system. I mean, this is an epidemic. We've got teenagers. Go by a school and take a look at the kids on the playground. We have one-third of our children 
obese right now and gaining diabetes at an early age. And diabetes is much worse in children than it is in adults. It turns out that the oral meds that adults can use don't last but a year or two, and these kids have to go on insulin. What a huge responsibility. You know, you know, Susan, we could go on and on for, for an hour or two with this. Uh, what I want people to do is to be able to get this information. How do they find you? Do you work with them on this? Do they get your book? How do you work? Start with the book, and I'm as easy as SusanFordCollins.com on the and Internet, is, and I right, work Susan, with people one-to-one. SusanFordCollins.com. You do one-to-one counseling. Um, with any goals you want, whether it's your, whether you want to lose weight or whether you want to do something else. Right. Maybe you want to change your career. The same skills. That's what's so brilliant about this is once you've lost the weight, you've also gained the skills you need to change the other parts of your life. So it's called the miracle diet, lose weight, gain health, 10 skills. And it's been great to have you on. We'll have to have you come back again. SusanFordCollins.com. And they can Loved write it. to you. And how do they write to you? Susan at Susan Ford Collins? No, just Susan. Well, Susan Ford Collins at MSN.com, but that's on my website. Okay. All right. I'm and very available. <laughs> because I'm really, this, this is, is exciting. This, this, this is, is a story. This is a huge how you change. This is a story of how you co-wrote this book with Rabbi Kelso Kukukorn. Is that how you say it? Kukukorn, yes. And he's delightful. Read his stories. I mean, he is a character. He's exciting. You'll see yourself in him. And he lost 100 pounds. 100 pounds and kept it off. Amazing. Like 1% of the population can do that. So these skills are very powerful, and he used them all. Thank you so much for being on the program, Susan. It was delightful. And I look forward to hearing from your audience. I hope that people will get the book. It's on Amazon. Yep, and absolutely, and write to Susan as well, SusanFordCollins at MSN.com. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Okay, we'll be in touch soon. Bye. All right, and next up we have with us on the phone Catherine Booting. She is a contributing editor to Women's Health, and the book is The Women's Health Big Book of Yoga. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be right back with Catherine Budig. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living on Voice America, America's Voice. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. If you're a golf enthusiast and looking for some great golf properties in the desert southwest, you'll want to make the Golf Realty Network your weekly stop. Hosted by Jane and Al Anderson, the Golf Realty Network is all about living where you play, on the golf side. You'll hear from the course pros and vendors, while the real estate side will bring you the top agents and brokers who know how to market or find your golf community home. Tune in to the Golf Realty Network, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety, and rebroadcast weekly on Voice America Sports. Do you feel as if your life is just filled with random awkward moments? Believe me, you're not alone. Tune in every Friday for TAG, the Awkward Girl Guide, with your host, Ashley Iola. Ashley has learned to own her awkward, and she guides you how to do the same. It's awkward, but it can be a lot of fun, too. We'll talk about relationships, sports, food, health, family life, and social life. Each show hopes to make you a bit more in control of your awkward. Tune in to TAG, the Awkward Girl Guide, Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune into Goddard Design every week for everything that is arts, interior design, and architecture. Host Chris Goddard will help you explore and invite creativity into your life. Our guests will include industry leaders and insiders who take you through the entire world of design and its many facets. You may not be immediately aware, but design is involved in nearly everything we do, from homes to clothing to food and drink. Tune into Goddard Design every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the second half of our program, which is Patricia Raskin Positive Living. And my guest on the phone is Catherine Budig. She is the contributing editor of Women's Health, and her book is the Women's Health Big Book of Yoga, The Essential Guide to Complete Mind Body Fitness. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what a beautiful book. What a beautiful, well, I beautiful book. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for anybody who, a beginner, it, what's beautiful about this book is you can be a beginner, you can be, you know, intermediate or advanced, and the book is still so helpful. Yeah, that was the goal. I really wanted to create an all-accessible guide for someone who is either yoga curious or someone who has been doing yoga for a while but just wanted a good reference guide to have in their library. Yes, yes, and um, I have been a yoga student. I uh, haven't recently, but for years, and really appreciated the poses. What I want to ask you is why you think or why you know yoga is so popular now. I mean, the last 10 years, it has just exploded. Yeah, I I think the thing with yoga that's so special about it is that as Westerners, we obviously, we like the fix quick. We want to go get a good workout, see the results. And with yoga, if you do it on a regular basis, you do see a dramatic physical change in your body, but more importantly, mentally, you change when you start doing this practice. And so many people live with tons of stress in their life. It's just the way the world goes. And so they get to go physically better their body and clear their mind, get rid of the stress, and then basically have a better relationship with their family, their husbands, their wives, their children, their coworkers. When all is said and done. Yeah, yeah really, really. And, and I think let's talk about the stress. Let's talk about what yoga does to help you reduce your stress, no matter which mm-hmm. kind of poses you do. Yeah, you've never, at least I've never heard someone at the end of a yoga class say that was a really bad idea. <laughs> um, it's it, Basically, I'm the kind of person where I always have my hands in about six different cookie jars at once, and the wheels are always turning and my yoga practice is one of the only opportunities I have to truly clear my head out. And to do a lot of these postures, especially since many of them are revolved around balance, if you're thinking about your taxes or what you're going to cook for dinner, you can't balance. So it really takes you to this level where in order to be fully involved, you have to clear everything out. And it's beautiful and it's exciting and your body feels strong and then you start to see clearly instead of, all the smoke and mirrors that starts to happen in your brain. Yeah, so really important. Talk about targeted workouts that you can do, you know, in a few minutes or less. You, not everybody has to be doing yoga for two hours. We can no, do all. things right that are targeted. The first thing that I would recommend to someone is learning how to do some salutation, which I have broken down in the book. And it's several postures all linked together that basically moves your spine in every direction. It's used generally at the beginning of the class as a warm-up, but you can do them consecutively to get a good sweat and build some heat. So it's a good way to start to build some flexibility, also build some strength, and to feel like you've got something productive going, you know, to really feel like you've got something done. Yeah, very important. What about... Um, core routines. We, yoga really focuses on the core. Explain for our listeners what the core is. Well, think about the core as the base of your building. So everything comes from our center. And it's not that you need to create this six-pack ab physique. You want to let go of the aesthetic and idea of what it should look like and start to pay attention to how you feel. So in yoga, it's all awareness. Whether you're in a standing pose or if you're in an actual abdominal routine, you're always moving from your center. And this is where all the balance starts to come from. And I, I like to compare it to the difference between driving an automatic car versus driving a manual. 
when you do yoga, you know how to drive manual. You can feel all the different gears in your body shifting together. Yeah, so I think that that's an important thing. Also, doesn't the core, I mean, the core is where our core emotions are, our solar plexus. When you strengthen your core, your abdominal muscles, when you strengthen them physically, aren't you also strengthening them emotionally? Oh, for sure. The solar plexus is the home of all of our insecurities, and it's the home of truth. So this is a beautiful place to feel empowered. And once you feel everything coming from this place, uh, there is this ability to speak your truth and to feel confident and to move in the direction that you'd like to instead of the direction maybe that you feel like you've been lacking or a place that you've been stuck in. Yeah, very important. How does mindful eating and eating the right foods fit into all of this, Catherine? Well, I wrote an entire chapter on nutrition because it's very interesting in the yoga community. A lot of people are vegetarian. And there's a concept in yoga called ahimsa, which means nonviolence. So many people translate that as nonviolence towards animals as well, and you're not supposed to eat them. I write about all different sides and how I don't feel that you have to be a certain way to be a yoga practitioner. But I had a funny moment the other day where my partner just started doing yoga, and he's, he's a big guy. And he did a full retreat with me, and he came up to me. He's like, wow, babe, you know, it's really hard to drink alcohol and eat heavy and do yoga. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it really is. And the thing that's amazing about the yoga practice is that you don't have to follow a certain diet, per se, but it will make you eat healthier. You you crave lighter foods because you're moving your body so much, and you want to put good fuel in so your practice feels nice. So you do more yoga, and it just helps you eat proper, basically. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the ways you can eat well that are enjoyable in terms of smoothies and soups and salads and what are things that people can do to change their eating but with enjoyment? I'm a huge fan of that. I love to cook. I love to go out to restaurants and eat, and I never want to sacrifice flavor for health. I'm a huge proponent of soups. I actually have several recipes within the book. I have a a three-day plan, and it's not a cleanse per se. It's more of a purification process. And the first thing I'd recommend to people is cut out your processed foods. Go to the farmer's market or go to the grocery store and get fresh produce. So whatever you're cooking is clean. It's from the source. So you can still, if you're a meat eater, for example, you can still cook a, a fish or roasted fish or chicken or something along those lines with tons of fresh vegetables. You can make your own sauce. You know, use a good oil like coconut oil or extra virgin olive oil. And you don't have to sacrifice the flavor. Just think about where is my food coming from. If everything's coming out of a can or a box, that's not right. going to serve your body. Right. So, right. so and, and it's good to both support your local farmers and, and it's it all adds up. At the so, end of the you day. know, you're not just talking about yoga is not isolated. It's part of a whole system. It's part of our total health package. It's helping us it's eat better. It's, yeah. it's a whole lifestyle change. Talk about relaxation techniques. You know, we're in a very stressful time and people get stressed. And then, of course, then we have all of our issues, whether it's insomnia or indigestion or, you know, muscle pain or chronic pain. So what are some things that people can do with yoga, even if they're not, you know, a yogini or they're not tremendously flexible? What can they do to avoid common injuries and use some relaxation techniques? Well, for relaxation, the first thing that comes to mind is breath work. It's called pranayama. And I have several breakdowns of different styles of pranayama that you can do in the book. And just the simplicity of closing your eyes, stopping for a moment, and even taking one minute to breathe will completely change the way that your mind works and where it's moving. And meditation, I know, can be a really intimidating word to a lot of people. And it doesn't mean that you need to go completely clear your head because if you think about it, the natural state of the mind is to think. So you don't want to critique yourself for that, but can you start to take all those thoughts and aim them in a certain direction. So a lot of these meditations, especially the guided ones, you can put your focus into this one spot and say, okay, I'm going to move away from all the chaos, all the stress, and I'm just going to zone in right on this. 
And that's where a lot of the stress relief comes from. If you can breathe every day, if you can meditate every day, and the physical postures, if you can build up the sweat and, and really focus on what you're doing, it does take your mind away from daily grind and puts you onto your mat in the present moment. So this is what matters right now. This is what's exciting. Well, in your book, as I'm looking at it, I mean, there's a picture for every single pose. What's nice about it is, is it shows you the different um, postures as you're as you're moving. It's almost like instead of watching it move, you have the <clears> different. <throat> I don't know how you'd say that, but the different movements that go into each pose. And sure, it's, we it, did a lot of sequence work. Yeah, it's so it's so well done that really I could take the book and do the pose based on really just following each picture, each one. Awesome. Are there several, what would you say for people who have back pain? Are there certain poses that might be good for that? Yes, I even have a sequence for back pain in the book, Um, especially SI joint pain. A lot of people suffer from that. Probably one of the easiest things to do is just a pose called legs up the wall, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's lying on the ground and coming in sideways so you can swing your legs up the wall. You can even take a strap and tie your legs together so they don't have to work. And it's it's a combination of the reversal of the blood flow and taking the work out of the legs to relax the lower back. There's also some gentle spinal twists that you can do, the spines that feel really good to release the lower back, and also some um, modified forward folds. If you fold too deeply, you can definitely irritate the lower back further than what it's already at. But that's the other thing that's really interesting about yoga is um, yoga won't hurt you, but your ego will. So it's a nice testimony to, okay, how can I drop this ego and focus on what my body needs versus what I think I want? And I love that part about the practice is that it will heal you if you're patient. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, there are, now there are a lot of people that will say, and you've heard them, oh, I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible enough. You know, I can't bend over. Yeah. What do you say to that? I, I tell them that's like saying you're too dirty to take a shower. You know, you don't come to yoga already knowing how to do it. That's not the point. You come to yoga to learn it. And you come to yoga to garner flexibility, to get stronger and to feel better. So you can show up a huge train wreck. That's great. I actually love that when that happens because then you'll really get to see the transformation happen. So don't go in there expecting to balance on a pinky finger. Like just go in there, breathe, drop the ego, and, and, and keep showing up. It's a commitment practice. Yeah. Now you'll see the results if you continue to do it. You have mm-hmm. to create a discipline. Yeah. In the beginning of your book, you have a whole chapter on mindful eating, and you have some recipes as well. Which, which are, you, you also not only have recipes, but you have a three day cleanse, which yes. looks at no processed foods during this cleanse, nothing from a box or jar or can, and you eat fresh and organic foods, which you talked about already in the interview, but this, this really lays it out day one, day two, and day three. What do people say to you, Catherine, after they've done this three day cleanse? They feel great. It's just a reminder. It's nice to step away from the junk and it becomes habit. When we eat poorly, especially on the holidays, you know, how easy is it to just start eating holiday cookies and not stop? And the next thing you know, you're, you're ready to continue consuming all this processed sugar. And if you can even take three days, I mean, I recommend 10 if you can stay committed to it, but three days of reprogramming your body to this is what makes my body feel good this is how I respond, this is what I want to put in my body, then the body goes, yay, thank you so much for helping me. Exactly. And, and, and then it's hard to go back to the other food because your body doesn't You'll get a healthy. headache when you start eating the processed food. It'll, it'll actually make you feel sick. <laughs> yeah. And it's frustrating but fabulous because then you go, wow. It's very interesting. It's interesting you're saying that. I was with my daughter over the weekend, um, and she, as I said, is, is, is an avid yoga person. I don't know if you call her a yogini, mm-hmm. but we were talking about food, and she was saying how, you know, she's really cleaned out her system, but over the holidays she was eating some sweets and how she really could feel it. You know, you really yeah. feel the difference. And, you know, you go back yeah. and you eat, you eat good food, but, you know, there are times you want to go off and you want to enjoy some things. But she said how noticeable it was in her system. 
Yeah, it, it's your body will really start to respond. And that's a good comment. You know, I do think life is about balance. And I'm not saying don't ever go eat that chocolate bar. I mean, goodness, chocolate is fantastic. But there is a balance to it. And it's also how much you consume. Like, don't go eat the whole cake. We talked about kicking caffeine. Kicking caffeine. (laughs) Well, I live as someone who's highly addicted to coffee, so that's a project for me right now. Um, I, I find that if you practice yoga first thing in the morning, that makes a huge difference. And backbends, for example, are huge. They release endorphins, and it goes straight to the central nervous system. So they're energizing postures as well. So I would recommend a heart-opening sequence for someone in the morning if they're trying to kick caffeine. And as silly as it sounds, if you can get two large glasses of water down your system first thing in the morning, it really helps to wake you up, too. I know it's not the satisfying feel of a cup of coffee, but it will definitely move you in the right direction. And you can wean yourself off with green tea or even a mate tea is going to be a step in the better direction versus the the hardcore tea. One of the things that's really special in your book is you have poses for issues. So if you have a hangover or if you have a headache Mm -hmm. or if you have a digestive issue, you know, or if you have a jet lag and uh, there are energies, you want more more energy or you're in high heels all day, there are poses for you to do. And even for different even for different sports, soccer and basketball and swimming and running, you have poses to help people in those sports. Yes, there's yoga for absolutely everything. And for men. There's a whole section here for men. Whole section. And I want people, yeah. The other, and it, it, I mean, there's so much. Everything here, vertigo, um, depression, anxiety. There are poses that you can do that will help you with those. So it's really... um, you know, it's really a guide for whatever is ailing you. There is a, a yoga pose that you can do that will help you. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's, it's very beautifully done. The other question that I had is, I noticed, and I really like this, that you have different people doing the poses. You don't have one or two people throughout. You have many different people doing the poses. Mm-hmm. And uh, some, I, of them, some of them you name and some of them you don't. They they all have a bio page in the book. Um, I, I had seven models, including myself, and they're all teachers and good friends of mine because I wanted it to be the big book of not Catherine Beauty doing yoga, but the big book of yoga. And I wanted you to see different body types. Like two, There are two girls who are very, very muscular and super athletic, and then... I'm a curvier body type, and and we have some, some tall ladies and some petite ladies, and I, I wanted to just reinforce that yoga is not a certain body type. There's a, a myth of the yoga body that you have are to look a certain way. Catherine, are you in the book? Yes, I am. Where are you? I am I am the blonde one. Uh-huh. Beautiful. I must say, talk about how you got this published and how this worked. This is the women's health big book of yoga and it's um you are the contributing ed- editor Catherine boot say your last name again beautic beautic okay Catherine beauty contributing editor for women's health how did women's health magazine decide that they wanted to do a book just on yoga well they have the, the brands the big book of they have the big book of exercise the, the big book of abs the big book of sex so between men's and women's health magazine, this is a, a brand that they've had for a while. And they're very aware of how big yoga is in our society. I mean, over 20 million Americans are practicing yoga now. And they knew that they wanted to provide um, a guide, a really fabulous guide. And I was their, their editor for yoga for the magazine. So the editor-in-chief gave me a call and said, hey, well, how do you feel about writing this book for us? And it was a dream come true for me because I went to school for English and my father was very excited to see my degree go to, go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it was fabulous. And as a teacher, it was very exciting to me because I spent a year of my life researching this and writing it. And it was great to get out there and ask questions and interview people. And I learned so much just by compiling all this information into a guide. So it was it was fabulous. I mean, it killed my social life, but it was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, and what are some of the um, responses you're getting to the book now that it's out? Really, really positive. And, you know, I think anytime you put so much love and blood, sweat, and tears into something, it's very nerve-wracking releasing it into the public. But people have been incredibly responsive to it, and a lot of people said they've been using it in their teacher trainings as a guide and a reference, which is exactly what I want. And I'm so excited to to know that there's something out there for people, because I don't think there's another book like this right now and that's accessible and I love yoga and I feel that I can say this because I'm in the community, but we can be very elitist. And I didn't want that for people. I don't want people to be threatened. I don't want them to feel yes. like they have to wear mala beads every day to fit in. You know, you can have, you can be a CEO of a big company and then leave work and go do yoga. That's fabulous. And I want everyone to have that opportunity. Catherine, speaking of that, talk about yoga for seniors. 55 plus. Yeah. I, when I used to teach in Los Angeles, the average age of my students were actually probably somewhere between 40 and 60. Mm. And they were some of the strongest people I have ever worked with. Unbelievable. Mm. And when you get beyond that to a more senior age, it's fabulous because it just keeps, you know, as the body gets older, it can get brittle. It can kind of start to collapse on ourselves if we don't use it. And this keeps the length in the body, it keeps the bones strong. And more than anything, it's confidence. You still feel empowered. And I, I think that you, the, the age is a number and you behave how you feel. So if you can keep a certain demeanor about yourself through staying physically active, through staying mentally aware, then you can be 100 years old and be practicing yoga. Yeah. There's no age limit. Yeah. So what is your advice to people who you know, are thinking about yoga but haven't started it yet, maybe a little intimidated by it. What's your advice, Catherine? My advice is that don't give up. There are many different styles of yoga and there are many different teachers. The first time I took a yoga class, I did not like the teacher at all, and I assumed that meant I didn't like yoga. And my friend, that loved her, dragged me to another teacher in another class, and I fell in love with her. So just because you go take a class and you don't like it doesn't mean yoga isn't for you. So I recommend keep trying because there will be a style or a teacher that you love so much that they'll motivate you to show up. And you know, when you you know that's like, so true. I mean, I've I've taken classes that are more more calisthenic than I've taken classes that are very restorative and meditative. I've taken classes mm-hmm. that are you know more rehabilitative in terms of pain. Uh, really many, many different types with many different types of teachers. It's like a whole different thing. Completely different. And that's exciting, too, because you have so many options. You can never get bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really and truly. How can people find the book? People can find the book anywhere where books are sold. Probably the easiest would be to go onto Amazon. And they can get more information about it through womenshealthmag.com or through my website, which is com. And people can check in with me on Facebook and Twitter if they have any questions. Catherine, what are your closing thoughts? What would you like to leave our listeners with today? What was the one thing you really want them to know? Uh, now's the time. You know, stop being curious and take action. I think it's easy to want to do something for a really long time and then... It's past. So go now. You know, stop making excuses. It's easy to sit in a negative holding pattern. So if you want something, go for it. Right. And the other thing I would like to add, and maybe you can add this too, is you don't have to do the poses that are on the cover of the book or the back of the book or all the poses. That's not the point, correct? Not the point at all. The point is to feel good. And the point is to... Take the postures day at a time. And remember, if you're a beginner, you're a beginner. You'll only be a beginner once, and it's a beautiful, fun time. So enjoy falling down, laugh, get up, do it again. And if you want to balance on your hands someday, you'll get there. Just be patient. Let me, um, before we close, I want to tell our audience about Women's Health, which is you are the contributing editor for Women's Health. Women's Health is a must-have action plan for today's modern women. From beauty to style to fitness, Women's Health propels 13 million consumers forward 
providing information and motivation to help people make instant and positive changes. It was launched in October of 2005, published 10 times a year by Rodell, Inc., which is a, a publishing company. It's in uh, 16 international editions in 28 countries and more than 13.5 worldwide million readers every month. So if you want to know more, log on to womenshealthmag.com, womenshealthmag.com. And this is a book uh, by Catherine Budig. She's a yoga instructor at yogaglow.com, and she teaches across the world. She's a contributing editor for Women's Health, and has contributed to Yoga Journal, The Huffington Post, and has been featured in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Forbes. So, Catherine, it's been a pleasure having you on the program, and we want to tell everybody to go out and to get this book, The Women's Health Big Book of Yoga, and Catherine Budig is the contributing editor. And you have many people in here and, and, and yoga for different ailments, different conditions. It, it, it's really um, almost like a little encyclopedia. Yeah. A little yoga encyclopedia, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much well, for being on Well, thank you so much program. for having me on. All right, stay on the line for a minute. Thank you. All right, folks, remember this closes up our uh, session today, our interviews today for Patricia Rask and Positive Living right here on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Write to me, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.